everyone to the new episode of the Film Vault. That's Anderson. I'm Rob Bezier, your host for today. Top five bromances. Isn't that nice, Anderson? We haven't done this topic strangely. Top five bromances. This this will be. Uh, what are your What are your criteria for a proper bromance? Well, I guess it's got to be dudes. Bros. Yeah, I mean, guys, males. They don't have to necessarily be bros, do they? No, no, I, I'm with you. I didn't. I didn't necessarily. Some of mine, of course, ended up being bros, but uh, no, not not necessarily. A couple questions right off the bat. Why did you uh, proclaim that it's a new episode? That, that was a little bit odd. I don't know. Felt felt like changing it up. What do you think about that? I don't, I don't like it. <laughs> Secondly, uh, yeah, we did do this. We did this uh, many years ago. We just called it buddy films, which I, I, I I'm trying to differentiate between the two. And I guess that there are some movies that could be considered buddy films and they're real superficial and they never really get deep and they never really like, you know, profess their, their love or, or have a chance to show that they would uh, be willing to sacrifice themselves for their bro. But uh, pretty similar. And I pulled our, our, both of our lists from many years ago when we did top five buddy films. I think we did buddy films twice, if I had to guess. I think we did it as uh, when we we're just doing demos or maybe just for 97.1 and then we did it on the orange couch. Interesting. You know, I'm looking at mine. That, that's funny. I, I feel like, yes, of course, there is some crossover. And of course, there's going to be, <clears throat> you know, similarities between buddy films and bromances. That said, a good bromance can exist. A buddy film is a thing, right? That's a limiting thing. A buddy film is like a genre in a sense, mm-hmm. or I guess a, sh- a subgenre. A good bromance can exist in another kind of film. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like, it just because a, a, a wonderful bromance doesn't necessarily make it a buddy film. Right. I mean, of course, there is some crossover. Good point. Good point. All right. Well, I have those lists. I don't know where I would do those lists. Where would I do those lists? Maybe I just don't do the list. They're two different things. Let's just leave that list, those lists alone. Let's leave them alone. Leave them alone. Yeah, I wish I'd look. I wish I'd look mine up. Come in with the milk. 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 Come in with milk. Come in with milk. <laughs> I silently was, I actually silently predicted in my mind how many times you would say that before the, the bit got old. Uh, it far exceeded uh, what I predicted. <laughs> I was waiting for you to stop me and you weren't stopping me. You know what that's from? I was about to. That, that was like, Come in with let the milk. it go. Come in with the milk. You know what that is? Yeah, that's uh, Aviator. That's Aviator. I saw I, that was on while I was stretching this morning. I had the boy on the uh, on the uh, the big pewter, as he calls it, my uh, Galaxy View. He was doing some ABC mouse learning, and I was uh, stretching out the old lower back because every morning I wake up with crippling pain until I actually stretch it out for a good 10, 15 minutes. And uh, I threw on, get this, Brian, Stars. Stars continues to kill it. And they had, they had the aviator, so I got to watch Alan Alda giving uh, old Howard Hughes the business, and uh, I got to see that scene with the coming with the milk. And it's been a number of years, and uh, oh, I, I was appreciating that scene. Appreciating that it's, whole movie. Well, funny, funny, funny you mentioned that because there were a few key scenes that I was looking up for my top five. Like, oh, wasn't there the scene where they did this or this happened or whatever? And uh, most I could track down on YouTube. One is from a notable YouTube film one. that will be talked about, will be talked about uh, later, but uh, later in the episode. However, it's only streaming on stars. Couldn't find the scene. Mm-hmm. I don't have stars. So the scene was not seen. Yes. Stars will also make an appearance on my list as far as what uh, justwatch.com is telling me where uh, so one of my movies in particular can be found. Stars. You know what? Uh, F that HBO. 
and their their AT and T money. And uh, you know what? From our research over the last few months now, it's really showing that Stars has more bang for your buck. Stars. Stars. All right, let's get to it, Brian. Uh, uh, Brian, fuckhead that he is, uh, had us do this uh, uh, a day early this week, so I threw everything off. And my uh, come in with the milk, come in with the milk, because I'm a bit OCD, and I'm in, I, I got the rhythm going, and I got certain uh, things that happen at certain times. And uh, when you when you do something as simple as like, hey, can we record the film all the day early this week? And I always say yes, try to be accommodating, but uh, it really throws me throws me into a tizzy, and uh, as a result, going to be a bit of a truncated version of the of the episode today. Yeah. Assuming I don't pontificate about how it's going to be a, uh, a truncated version, with, like I'm doing now. What are your What are your thoughts on uh, truncated <laughs> versions? And uh, I uh, have a bit of, um, I guess, guilt and uh, a bit of a um, complex about the number of documentaries that I have been flickfesting as of late, and it's no different this week. And it's going to change starting next week because. I have been ringing in with too many documentaries. Sure, I like my documentaries. Brian loves his documentaries. I like documentaries as much as the next guy. They're, they're great. You know, you learn stuff, uh, and they can be entertaining, and you, and you learn stuff. However, nope. this is not documentary vault. This is the film vault, and I need to bring more narratives to the uh, to the plate. So this will be the last week that I uh, lean on the old documentary for a while. I, I profess it. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's largely what people are watching right now just because, you know, no, you're, people are circling the drain on new films. Right at all. People are watching whatever they can get their hands on. doesn't mean documentaries. I want to Actually, let's get to it. Uh, that brings me perfectly to this. Do a little fan fiction. This is the part of the program where uh, Mitch Burns compiles a list of what the, uh, the listeners have been watching as of late, and it goes a little something like this. Eric Chavez on Facebook, uh, he watched Night... Night shift. Ooh, that could be a buddy uh, or a uh, romance. Night romance, shift. Huh? Fuck to the S. 1982 is night shift. Michael Keaton's feature debut starring Henry Winkler. Really enjoyed it and uh, seeing old school New York and gritty Times Square the way Anderson likes remembering it. Had a good amount of genuine laughs and I think it still holds up for this for the most part. Ethan Kellogg on Facebook writes Scoob. Scoob? It's a Scooby Doo movie that isn't about Scooby Doo. Mm hmm. It's kind of like Mad Max Fury Road. It's a Mad, Mad Max movie, not so much about Mad Max. Uh, was it good, though, Ethan? I have to assume no. Scoob! At Tissue, spelled, spelled T-I-C-H-S-H-E-W, bri, bri at Tissue on Twitter writes, Shin Godzilla. Legit great Godzilla movie. Seen it over the weekend and haven't stopped thinking about it. I know I need to get myself to that Shin Godzilla. I have not seen it yet, and I need to. And then Mitch Burns gives me the business. Mitch Burns, who compiles this list for us every week, as well as man's our Twitter machine and uh, the old Facebook page over there. He writes, I watched Banana Split, available for $5. It premiered at a few film festivals uh, two years ago, and it's just out now. It's cute and funny and real, and it deserves... A watch, I think. That's a ringing endorsement, Mitch. Ringing endorsement. Uh, solid A for him. A minus. Solid A minus for Mitch. And then he goes on to write this. This little uh, bit of business. I also want to say that everyone should see Blow the Man Down on Amazon Prime. It's really great, and Anderson won't listen to me. Uh, not only do I listen to you, Mitch Burns, but I listen to uh, all the other listeners who have also said that I should watch this. I know what this movie is. I know that I will find it mildly amusing, and I'm not going to love it, but it is on my list, and I might see it just as soon as next week. What do you think of that? 
What do you think of them? Top five movies. Apples. Top five movies where you thought you knew what the movie was. I mean, I know what this is. This is going to be like a, a bloody simple plan. It's, it's not going to have enough levity or uh, quirky fun. I shouldn't say quirky, but uh, characters with stick to itiveness that that stick in my brain. You know, like uh, it's. I don't think it's going to have enough meat on the bone for me. But that's that's what I think. That's what I think. We'll see. There's only one way to find out, Brian, and that's to see it. What, what, what is that way? Read the Wikipedia uh, description? That's right. And then talk to a number of people who also saw it. I, I, I'll spend three or four hours researching about the movie without spending the two hours to see it. That's usually how I go about things. That is a lie. All right. Uh, let's get to the part of the program where you and I talk about what we've seen most recently. Let's do it. Are you referring to Flick Fashions? That I am. Let's confess the flicks we've seen this week and uh, call it Flickfessions. Uh, Anderson, uh, I think we're in a lineup on a couple of these. Uh, first, you assigned me a film. I did. Documentary, surprise. Mm-hmm. Never Surrender. Mm-hmm. You know what I didn't write down? What's the subtitle on this? I didn't write down the a subtitle. Galaxy, Never Surrender. A Galaxy Quest Documentary. Well, that's very descriptive. It is directed by Jack Bennett, and it is, in fact, a Galaxy Quest documentary. Uh, very uh, lovingly uh, put together tribute to the film Galaxy Quest. This features interviews with all the surviving cast, as far as I could tell. Tim Allen, Scorny Weaver, Sam Rockwell, Tony Shalhoub, Justin Long, Rain Wilson, Missy Pyle, etc., etc. Uh, the director, of course, Dean Pariseau, and uh, notable fans of the film, including Brett Spiner, uh, if you're a Star Trek fan, uh, Damon Lindelof, Paul Shear, and Will Hoyton. Mm-hmm. Yes, our mm. friend Paul Shear is in there. Paul Shear pops up all over the place. The show, Paul Shear. He pops up all over the place, including, uh, like you just said, the film ball. Paul Shear gets around. Indeed, uh, Damon Lindelof uh, early in the film kind of uh, summarizes my thoughts on Galaxy Quest very well, which is a movie. You know what? Actually, the aforementioned. Uh, Movies you thought you knew what they were. I, I'm like, uh, it's a parody of Star Trek. I get it. The actors, they're old, blah, blah, blah. But no, uh, Galaxy Quest is a, a wonderful film assigned to me by possibly Anderson, possibly Logan. I'm pretty sure you assigned Pretty sure me, me yes. Uh, just a few years ago. It was wonderful. Dana Lindelof summarized my uh, thoughts on it. We said, he says in the film, quote, it's an exercise in tone. Like this movie could go wrong so many ways but it gets the tone just right it's playful it's fun it's wry it's serious at times mm. uh, it's actually heavy uh, once or twice in the film uh, but it, it just gets that tone just right and uh never surrender is a nice tribute to galaxy quest what do you think of never surrender yeah it's if you enjoy the movie this is a celebration of uh, galaxy quest it is a bit of a puff piece but it's the best example of a puff piece and there's, there's enough there to make it interesting to those who uh, wanted to know more about the movie as far as like the lineage uh, and, and who was originally supposed to direct it. You had your Harold Ramis and uh, various... Harold Ramis got pretty far down the road with this movie. I mean, he didn't shoot anything, but like he was pretty... He was attached. He was in pre-production and it was a Harold Ramis movie. And, you know, we could spend an entire... We could make an entire sub-feed of this show where we just talk about, you know, movies and TV shows that were supposed to be cast differently or have different directors attached. And there's as you can imagine, just like volumes of information out there on what could have been. And what I liked about this documentary was uh, 
as they're talking about it, like Harold uh, Harold Ramis possibly directing it, and you know, I'm thinking like, what would that have been like? And various uh, different actors who were going to be in the lead. I, I can't recall exactly who was going to be oh, the lead. I, I, I wrote them. I wrote them down because I was so fascinated. They spent a lot of time talking about the casting and how Tim Allen wasn't the first choice or the fifth choice, and uh, had to fight for the role. And eventually, ended up being perfect for the role. The uh, lead role was offered to uh, first. They made a big deal out of Kevin Klein being offered the role. Oh, that's and right. I, I honestly think Kevin Klein would have been great. He has that great self. Absurd self seriousness. Um, I think Tim Allen was perfect, but Kevin Klein would have been very good in the role. I think uh, Alec Baldwin. They talked uh, about really wanted the role. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tim Robbins, who I think would have been. I think Baldwin Robbins would have been fan, really, really, Robbins really good. Been great, yeah. Bruce Willis was offered the role. I do not think he would no, have been very good. Yeah. So Mel what Gibson, it did? I guess it would have been interesting. And and Robin Williams, of course, was high on their list. He was a huge star. Uh huh. Uh, it would have been a very different movie. It would have been a very different movie with any of those people in the lead. It would have been a very different movie with any other director. It's one of those things that, uh, much like Alien and I and me talking about memory, that fantastic documentary about the making of Alien a few weeks ago. This is uh, talks about how a lot of things had to go right and a lot of luck, a lot of things had to fall into place. But back to you know the various directors and and leads, it, it was fun sitting there I'm thinking like what it would be like with uh, Bruce Willis in the lead and I'm imagining him in the outfit and saying the same some of the same lines and then they go to actual fans of the movie Galaxy Quest and ask them and we get to see their reactions and a lot of the time they were you know caught my, mimicking my reactions uh, it, yeah well you're all hipsters and uh, cosplayers and there was a lot of that and it was interesting too because this movie is about the fans and it's the first movie to be made sci-fi type movie to be made uh, that includes the fans and the fans are a huge part of it and Sam Rockwell who was essentially a, a virtual unknown at the time played the uh, the biggest fan of the show Galaxy Quest within the show and they talk about how this is like the uh, it's an unofficial uh, uh, version of, of Star Trek how it lives in the Star Trek canon and uh, it opens up with that quote from David Mamet talking about how it's a perfect movie. It's it's very enlightening, light, and fun, and gets a little bit weepy, I guess, when uh, talking about Rickman, but there's some great Rickman stories that are uh, retold, which uh, make it... I, I felt like they were asking a little bit of uh, much of me to try, because it, it's not about Alan Rickman dying too soon, and it did... I mean, he, he's an actor who happens to be in this movie who happened to die too soon, and they were trying to almost connect the two, which bothered me a little bit, but then it made up for it well, with some know, of the anecdotes. In the context, Anders, it was in the context of they were going to do right, an Amazon version. Yeah, it's a like TV a show, yeah. Which And they had everyone on board, apparently, or at least all the principal players. Which, you know, uh, on one hand, I'm like, oh, that could have been so great. And on the other hand, I'm like, oh, that could have completely watered it down. And I love the fact that Galaxy Quest is what it is, and it lives in its own little sphere by itself and there's no you know rides about it or sequels or you know loads of fan fiction it's just it it is its little thing and it works and it's great and it's like it's it's what makes you know one of the things that i love about movies are when they they're their own little thing and they exist and and they have this huge fan cult following and you you know you can meet somebody have nothing in common with them but then realize that they love galaxy quest like you do and you can you know, share that and then have a common bond. I, I love, yeah. I love things like this. And if they did the Amazon TV show, it, it could have been great, but chances are, even with the same cast and everything, it would have just kind of watered the whole thing down. 
It wouldn't have been as good. Yeah. It could have, you know, the the chances are, it, you know, it could be great. But like you said, it could, it might have watered, it watered the whole product, the whole franchise or whatever. Uh, I love the Bill Nye uh, line from Alan Rickman. There's, there's know, some great so stories in here uh, from Alan Rickman. Uh, told secondhand, obviously, and I love it when it's it, they start off with like, ah, I don't know if you would want me to say this, but I kind of have to say it, and yeah, and then you're kind of like, okay, tell me more. Like, I, I'm, you feel like you're you're privy to something you shouldn't be privy to, which just a, it's a very good documentary. Uh, it's celebrating. You and I have seen so many versions of this where it's like, oh, let's get back and talk about this project or this movie or this. Whatever. Yeah, a lot of the time they feel and, like extended featurettes. Right, and this is about as good as you can possibly make this kind of documentary. They had they had access. Uh, everyone, by my count, everyone who you'd want to talk to talked, and also some very notable, you know, fans of the film uh, and the director and the writer and the blah blah. And uh, uh, everyone was included. Uh, they told some great stories. Uh, they some funny, some heartbreaking, and some everything in between. Some great fun facts. I loved when they talked about you know. Um, the studio left them alone because they had this film called a gladiator that was going sideways. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah well, that'll, that'll get them off your back. Uh, yeah, that's just one I, of the I, examples I of like something going right. Like I, so many little things just happened to go right to make this movie what it was. And it's right. with Tim Allen, just having Tim Allen as a star of this goofy sci-fi project you know i don't even remember why i saw it like I, I think it just happened to come out at a time where i was literally seeing every release that came to the theaters and i happened to to see it and you know i ended up seeing it probably three times in the theaters i i loved it it made no sense that it was this good and that's another thing about uh, uh tim allen like it made me like him more as an actor like it made me appreciate who he is as a person and an actor and like you know he was owning all of his goofiness and his silliness on on set and how he was really annoying the serious alan rickman and uh, like what their relationship was like on on set uh i i really and I, I just tim allen, tim allen tells a really good story like how how he told the story i think it was harold ramus ramus that he sat down with first to talk about the role it was when harold was still attached and uh you know they're eating lunch dinner or something and he was talking just his description of like you know how he put his fork and his knife down and he's like oh so you don't think i'm right for this and it's just yeah it was just a, a, a it goes down very smooth yeah, if you're a fan of uh, Galaxy Quest, this is a no-brainer. Never sure. Is this on Prime? I'm pretty sure it was on Amazon Prime. It's it's on either that Hulu or uh, Netflix. It's which it's one of those three. <laughs> so just keep looking. Could be on Stars. If I had to guess, Could be on Stars. I don't know if you heard it. Anderson Stars was killing it, crushing it. Here I'll look it up. Well, um, here I got it right here. On, I'm on the old uh, Just Watch. It's on Prime. 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 Optimus Prime. Negative, negative. All right, moving right uh, along. I have, I have one. I have one more film to discuss. Uh, so if you have another one, go ahead and throw it in now. I'm going to do two with you because I don't want to do the the holy trinity of of documentaries because the only other uh, movie that I'm prepared to flick fest this week that I'm that's not called uh, Spaceship Earth is the DeLorean uh, documentary, which is. It's a documentary, even though they do some reenactments with uh, Alec Baldwin, but I will cover that one next week. That one you can watch on Hulu, and it's called uh, Framing John DeLorean. It came out of Sundance a couple years ago, and I've been waiting to see that for a while now and finally did. But I'll talk about that next week, and you and I are going to talk about Spaceship Earth right here, right now. 
also streaming on Hulu. Yes, Spaceship Earth. Uh, this was number two on my Sundance preview. This is a documentary directed by Matt Wolf. Uh, it is a de facto history of the Biosphere 2, which was a giant, um, essentially a greenhouse, really, a giant greenhouse built in the Arizona desert where eight, um, I want to call them, I almost called them scientists, but they're not, eight uh, Biospherians, and they call them Biospherians? No. Uh, I mean, no? Well, they call is them. that how they got the gig? Hello, yes, no, I'm applying, no, no, no. We'll, I'm get, we'll get into that in a second, but I, I'm just trying, trying to set up the premise. I thought during the documentary they called them Biospherians uh, when eight people, eight people went into the Bio-nots. biosphere, <laughs> whatever they were. When I went into the biosphere for two years and uh, recorded their, their, their findings. They uh, lived on a completely sustainable ecosystem, supposedly. Mm-hmm. Um, well, not completely. We'll get into that in a second. Anyway, um, I... In my, okay, so this spent a little too much time. It's too long. Precursor. It spent a little too much time uh, with them in the early days. Yes. Like I get it. They're hippies. They're they're, they're straight not. out of hippie culture. They're not. They basically are. They're no, they're not though. Are. You know what? I I took ex- exception to that as well because I kept calling them hippies. Let, okay, let's paint the scene, shall we? Uh, these are people that are coming out of Berkeley. They're coming. They're they're smart, educated people, but they're of the time. Of course, we spend some time uh, with the uh, stock footage hate in Ashbury. We got to spend time in San Francisco, right during this time. Right. Of course, we heard some of the tunes of the time. Uh, you know, things were happening. Man, you know, civil rights were happening, Vietnam, and we just weren't happy. We we're changing the world, you know. We're gonna change the world. It's this goddamn um, uh, putting the uh, baby boomers up on a pedestal and making them look like fucking heroes. It happens. It seems like on every other movie I see, it's like let's talk about how the baby boomers are heroes out of the '60s. It's like, all right, you self-important sons of bitches. So we're getting a lot of that, and I'm saying there's fucking hippies. They're hippies of mean, right? Uh, but then there's one lady who looks like a hippie, smells like a hippie, probably, right? talks like a hippie she goes we weren't hippies we didn't touch drugs and they were of means and uh you know the 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 old joke is like uh how do you hide money from a hippie yeah where do you hide money from hippie Uh, under the soap these weren't those guys they were free thinkers and they were really well educated and they were doers they weren't sitting around talking about changing the world they were actually doing things which didn't make any sense for the first time third of the movie i'm like where are they getting their fucking money where is this coming from because they decide oh you know what we're done with that project let's go build a boat and they they spend no not a boat let's go build a ship a ship a ship and then we'll be free we can roam the earth by sea wherever we want to go that's where we're gonna so they build a ship it doesn't even i don't even know how long they took to build this ship and then cut to all this stock footage it's not stock footage it's actual archival footage of them like in venice just in the canals of venice and then they're they're like in singapore and they're just they, they literally sailed the earth in this ship See, I thought that was a bit, okay, so a lot to unpack here. Number one, I'll meet you halfway and say that, yeah, I don't think you would put them in the hippie category. No, they, they didn't do drugs. Like, they, were, they were straight and narrow. Right, they, weren't, they were also, can I say yeah. this? They were insufferable. Like, that's one of the big problems with this movie is they weren't likable characters. I didn't want to spend time with these people, and I was stuck in a biodome of a movie with them for two hours. <laughs> The biodome seemed like a nightmare. I didn't want to spend any time with any of these people. None. Um, but okay, but they they definitely definitely reflected the hippie um, 
ethos yes. uh, of the era and of the time. We're going to change the like world, they're, man. They're, they're Bay Area, like late 60s hippies, whether mm. or not they cut their hair or took a shower, you know, or did drugs. Yes. Yes, if you're if you're loose now, now, but they, that said, yes. the shipbuilding is interminable, and I also they alluded to having offices all around the world. So I thought that was a bit of a cheat. I didn't think they actually sailed. I don't think that fucking thing was seaworthy. That wouldn't survive on the open ocean. Like I, I, I don't think they sailed to Venice. I think they just had offices in Venice. Like they alluded several times to having offices all around the world. Offices for what? No one fucking knows. No, Brian, it showed them in the ship in the boat. And they were talking about how they were free to roam the world, ro roam the earth cheat, with the cheat, cheat. All right, well, that's cheat. a huge cheat, and the fact that they're trying to jam that down our throat. Uh, okay, here's the deal: unnecessary. I didn't need to spend this much time to the lead up, and it wasn't even that clear. Like by the time they actually get into the biodome, which seems like I don't know half half the movie in, half of my life in, because I was spending so much time <laughs> with these people. Once we're it in really there, it was an hour into the film. <laughs> it was uh, John Allen, who was their leader, their cult leader, who was a very affable, like. Uh, likable cult leader type guy, right? He's like a fun Elon Musk yeah. or a fun P.T. Barnum. Yeah, that's a great description on both counts. Uh, but all the other players that end up wearing the red jumpsuits or the various Star Trek-like suits that go into the biosphere, it's not like we just spent half the movie with them, and it's not like, oh, there's Frankie, uh, crazy Frankie. You remember him on top of the mast on the ship? Like I just didn't even recognize any of them. They were all kind of interchangeable and the same, but just like somewhat different i didn't i didn't I, I they they were not easy to characterize you know what i mean i didn't even recognize them as the same people on the boat they were just more insufferable people it was it wasn't clear <laughs> yeah the, that and so it was it was eight people total who went into this biosphere and uh i don't know why i'm fucking calling it a biosphere it's not a sphere it's a fucking greenhouse there they they the selection process seemed um, suspect, uh, dubious, I'll even say. Like, maybe it was filmmaking, and that's fine, and if it is, it's, it's well done. But, like, <laughs> they spent more time showing, like, the theater games than they did actually, like, hey, what are your qualifications? Are you, are you knowledgeable about science or botany? Yeah. Yeah. Hey. Like they were doing like theater games and like you know like yelling at each other. The theater in, games in, is in what character. really set the tone for the uh, the insufferableness that I that I speak of. Like I just I couldn't I I, I it just made me so much cringing was occurring on my behalf in, in my in the comfort of my own home watching these these people play out their different. Uh, the whole like, where do they get the time before they went in the biosphere? They wrote this some giant long, like uh, six part play uh, involving all of the mistakes and, and, and problems that could happen within the biosphere. It's like, shouldn't you be planning on your life in the biosphere, not doing this know, ridiculous who is, who play? Who was attending? Who was going to see these plays? Yeah, I did feel like there was a lot of BS uh, involved in this, and it felt like well, they were telling the story, and it was their documentary, and they were kind of telling whatever story they wanted, and you could tell they thought they were telling fabulous uh, yarns and, and spinning fantastic tales, and I'm just like, why would you be you know, glorifying this horrific behavior? Well, a key, a key piece of information that comes through about a third of the way through the film, I guess, or halfway or something, is um, they are financed, uh, one of their, one of their uh, I guess, brethren, enthusiasts, or whatever you want to call them, a guy. Yeah, it's with weird. A guy Do, named do Ed, these things, yeah, go ahead. 
they get in with a guy Ed named Bass. Ed Bass, and it turns out that Ed Bass is a uh, billionaire uh, brother, one of the uh, Bass brothers from, Texas. He's, he's an oil baron, basically, yeah. in Texas, from a huge oil family in Texas, estimated, at they say at the time, to be the second wealthiest family uh, in America, which is pretty substantial. So, yes, they are, they are, they are privately financed by this sort of insane person who just gives them money to do whatever. And that kind of explains a lot. Like it explains the fucking theater that I can't, I, I guess people, someone went to see this. Uh, it explains the boat. Like their projects are, let's do, let's build this thing. And to their credit, it's a massive undertaking. And they do like, it. Like the, yeah, they do it. And the, the boat is, is absurd. They build a fucking ship by hand and they build the fucking, they build the fucking biosphere that works essentially. I mean, you know, has its hiccups, but it works. But then it's like, okay, you've done this incredible thing. Now what? Like they don't see beyond the completion of the task itself. You know what I mean? And the whole point of the biosphere was supposed to actually be a huge moneymaker because it was at the beginning of the space, dawn, uh, space not the beginning of the space age, but it was in the early 90s leading up to that through the 80s uh, that they were thinking about it. And then uh, John Allen, it was his mastermind. And they were going to create this uh, artificial living environment for other planets, other worlds, because they, you know, obviously they don't have, uh, like the moon doesn't have our atmosphere. Right. And they were going to prove that you could set up shop. And then I guess their plan was to sell the blueprints to like NASA and then, you know, whoever else, like the Elon Musks of the world who are going to be inhabiting Mars. And oh, well, you got to take Biosphere and you got to, you know, use their, the, all of their research. But it was, it, it didn't really get into maybe the most fascinating part of all this, which is, Bass, like where, like how did that relationship come about? I felt like they were hiding something. What was Bass getting out of it? And he was the black sheep of his family. I, I can see that, but like, what was, what? Was, and then a Steve Bannon shows up. It's, it's, uh, it really takes some turns. It's interesting, and I'm glad I saw it. But I just, I, I, there's something about it that I just feel like I didn't get the full story. I feel like I was lied to at parts. They reminded me of flat earthers in the sense that they're obviously smart people and and learned and uh, people, but like scientifically dubious. You know what I mean? It's like what what, what was the plan here? What flat was, earthers. What I, I, they just seem like lonely people who are looking for some kind of uh, common thread and some kind of some kind of club to be a part of, and they found that. That's what it seems like to me. I, I, I would imagine that most of the serious flat earthers know that the Earth is not flat. Yeah, interesting. That reminds me of what you said of these people. They they were misfits who had you know who luckily fell into the same group. Yeah, it. I wanted. I I, I didn't want to spend more time with them, but I would have liked to understand how they came together. It wasn't a cohesive story. It wasn't a cohesive documentary. I I, I felt lost. Maybe I maybe I tuned out at times at some key moments and missed some some vital information because I disliked them so much. I mean, that's a that's a real possibility. I, I'll well, I'll own that if that's the case. Here. Here's the thing I think you need to ask yourself when you're making a movie like this, which is what's the thing? What's the thing that people are interested in? People are going to focus on. People are curious about. And it's not about the history of this ragtag group of, of, of weirdos. You know what I mean? It's, it's the biosphere. biosphere. I, yeah. I wanted, I wanted to know what went on. Cause like there was obviously it's kind of a forerunner to reality shows because they had cameras going the whole time. They were all bickering. Uh, there were problems like, you know, with the CO2 and the oxygen, uh, that, that was compelling stuff that could have made a narrative out of that. But uh, as it was, we got too little of that. 
a couple listeners uh, emailed me said that they because it took place out in Arizona. They lived out there. Or they live out there, and they they went and saw it. Uh, one listener went and toured the whole facility twice. And uh, you know there are there are those shots where people are looking through the glass and they're like zoo animals almost. Yeah, I, I I have problems with the way that this movie was constructed and the way it was told, and it felt like a love letter to this group uh, at times. And I I don't need to read a love letter to a, a group of people I don't have any love for. You know what I mean? Fair enough. Yeah. So yeah. I w- I would I'd give this a C. If yeah, I was great it's in it. it's. It's worth seeing in the sense that it depicts a very unusual time in history and a a moment that will probably, um, well, maybe replicated at some point in the future in a better way. But uh, this was uh, very odd. I'm surprised I hadn't heard more about this. Biosphere 2, they they also, uh, right off the bat, they let you know why it's called Biosphere 2, because Biosphere 1 is Earth, you see. And there is, you know, they were talking about climate change back then, which I found, there's a lot there's a, there's many ways they're going to shape this documentary to make it absolutely fascinating. Unfortunately, they spent way too much time on the on the on the theater and the the corkiness of this bunch that uh, does not go down smooth. <laughs> not at all. Yeah, agreed. It was it was it was a rougher road than I'd like to have uh, driven down. All right. Well, uh, that that concludes flickfashions for this week, Brian. All right. Coming up next, we will discuss the top five bromances. Oh, my number one is the film ball. Oh, spoiler. Next. Anderson. Baby formula guy is back. Guy. Third week. Well, it could be part of the 8%, but someone's buying uh, uh, baby formula three three weeks in a row now, as far as I can tell. Six 24-packs. Of Enfamil NeuroPro Gentle Ease Baby Formula. I mentioned before, it would give me so much uh, uh, stress to, to think about like how much baby formula I actually needed during a, during a lockdown like this. Yes. Yes, it is uh, stress-inducing to think about that for sure. Let's think about some other things purchased on the Amazon banner. This is Top Anderson and Brian.com. Somebody got three touchless high arc kitchen faucets as well as a, a charming water touchless bathroom faucet. I have to imagine. A restaurant. This is, uh, what's that, buddy? A restaurant tour. It could be a restaurant tour. I was thinking well, that's actually probably a good, uh, a good guess, too. I was thinking maybe an apartment owner or a contractor, maybe, because who has three kitchen faucets in their house? This is not just a person. Coleman Prairie Breeze Lighted Tent. Uh, Novograt. Novograts. Layla Adjustable Sofa Bed. Sauter Harbor Credenza. Georgia Bulldogs tailgating canopy. Someone is uh, very optimistic about the uh, football season happening this year, college football. Uh, Georgia Bulldogs fan. Planning on going to some tailgates, I guess. Fluke Networks and Teletone Toner Kit. Coway. Coway. Mighty Air Purifier. Uh, OFM Essentials Racing Style Office Chair. Racing Style. WD uh, Western Digital 8 terabyte external hard drive. Sissy Yama, extra large workout mat. Uh, Thin Audio Shark Audio Processor. Uh, three Leniso Soothies gel pads. Oh my God, three packs of those. Christy went through those. Those, those, those were a saving. Uh, Great. Made breastfeeding much easier, uh, much more pleasant, and much mm-hmm. more tolerable. Got the Leniso Soothies gel pads. Two. Ultra long LED. I prefer not to hear about your wife's nipples anymore. Thank you. 
I didn't mention that. I mentioned the pads. Uh, with a music sync, those LED strips light up with music, apparently. Argos 4. Argos nipples huge light up. Tube feeder. That's not what I said. Tube freezer storage boxes. <laughs> JS Dental Lab custom night guard. Amazon Basics adjustable office stool. Edifier powered bookshelf speakers. Logitech performance wireless keyboard and mouse combo was picked up, as was an Omorc, O-M-O-R-C, air fryer, Shimano men's cycling shoe, prob- probably a pair, not just one shoe, three Amazon e-gift cards, and... Ten seconds. Ooh, someone picked up, <laughs> and you're going to enjoy this, a Tempur-Pedic Adapt Symphony Pillow. Sleep well, my friends. Let's hear about some movies. Nailed it, Brad, Brad. And here are the movies that were clicked through. This is the last time I saw you. Two very smart people clicked through and took a chance on Groupers. This is a movie I made. Uh, somebody clicked through and got A Man for All Seasons. You know what? That just seems like homework, but I'm going to watch it one of these days. One of these days. Cool World is clicked through as well as The Town. He's got a mustache that uh, Jeremy Renner. He's got a mustache. All About Eve was clicked through as well as Crimson Tide. Galaxy Quest. Fuck to the ass. The Postman. Somebody had three hours to uh, invest. Kick-Ass was clicked through as well as The Replacements. <laughs> Grand Prix. 1966's Grand Prix. Pleasantville. Blade. Inception. Mortal Kombat. The Big, the big Chill. Nine. Oh, fuck to the ass. Nine. I forgot all about nine. The World. Remember nine? There was like nine movies came out right around the same time that were named Nine. It was very yeah. odd. District nine. And there was another nine, too. There was like three nines that were out at the same time. Three nines. Hey, that's a square root of nines. Three. The world according well to Garb, Dread, well uh, Faculty, Much Do About Nothing, All is Lost, Snowpiercer, Three Colors, Red. What about white and blue? I still got to see that white and blue. Which one did I see? I think I saw blue. We saw we saw blue, I think. Yeah, I got to see that red and that white. Ghost in the Shell, Kingsman, The Secret Service, Enemy of the State. I enjoyed that Enemy of the State. Mulholland Drive. I was driving Mulholland Drive just a couple days ago. The Killing of a Sacred Deer. Fox the Ears. Phantom Thread. <laughs> Not so sure. Memory, The Origins of Alien. Fox the Ears. Night of the Comet. Popstar, Never Stop, Never Stopping. Fox the Ears. Iron Man 2, The Princess Bride, Birds of Prey, and two people, hopefully with children, got Scoob. Scoob. Zoinks. That's good. <laughs> I'll put that in the intro. Zoinks. How, how many times are they just going to pull old Scooby's carcass out and say, let's try and get some remember, more cash out of you? I think it was, I think Matthew Lillard came into Loveline to promote. Scoob. Uh, Scooby-Doo or something. Mm, could have been for that. Could have very well. Hey, Matthew Lillard might get a little talk later on the program. Oh. Back to the program! <laughs> welcome back. I'm just sneaking a peek at the listener arts. Good stuff. Uh, welcome back to Top 5 Bromances. Oh, speaking of which. Oh, man. That's one I forgot. All right, we'll have to get that in my also rants. I don't know if it. What? Ah! What? Do I you want me to edit one? all this out? This sounds awful. No, this sounds I thought of one as I was falling asleep uh, with feels the other night, and mm. I forgot to write it down, and uh, I probably would have made my top five. Some too. great Shit. thoughts come as you're falling, trying to fall asleep. I don't know, I shouldn't speak for you, but I know for me, like, I. I uh, 
some of my better thoughts and it's kind of that conundrum like do i do i write it down because then i'll wake up again i'm almost asleep here but i like some of the things that come to mind uh, while i'm almost asleep the shower and falling asleep are the two best places to uh kind of do some free thinking for me anyways it's true i agree all right, let's uh, start off with bromance. I my number one I, uh, is, is just so so strong. So you want to go first? Oh, I feel the exact same way, bro. Bro, it's one of those lists, one of those weeks where, like, you know, number f- two through five, I, I could just throw in a hat, and uh, you know, depending on my mood each day, they could they could interchange. But number one is like far and away, like it's it's lapping the others for me. So, That's- but you know what? Uh, it's not that much of a, it's not like a new addition to my arsenal. So it'll sound quite familiar once I get there. So I'll, I'll let you have the, the number one spot there if you, if you want, do you like that? Uh, my number one wasn't going to be, I'm, I'm similar to you, Anderson, my number one, two, and three, uh, we're all strong contenders for the number one spot. My number one wasn't my number one until I watched a, uh, uh, clip, actually a few clips uh, today on the old uh, YouTube made me tear up a little bit. Made me a little dusty oh, in the in the old Bishop uh, oh, couch geez. over there. I got I got to dust that couch. Uh, Charlie's been shedding. Gee, what? Charlie's been whatting? Charlie's been shedding. Oh, much better. Heard something far more crass. Yeah. Number five for me, Bri Bri. Uh, movie. Uh, that involves a man who gets lost on an island and uh, he has no friend other than a, a, a volleyball. Talking about Tom Hanks and Wilson. What movie is what movie is this? In Castaway. Number five oh. for me. I'm kidding. That's uh, goofy and I'm trying not be I'm not trying to be clever over here. So that's uh, that just occurred to me just now as I was uh, Are all at my of actual, yours between two humans? My actual number five, which is not Castaway. That's goofy and I was kidding. Uh no. And they're all human, but for my number five, which I'm going to give you right here, right now. Woody and Buzz in all the Toy Stories, all oh, four of them. Well done. Love that Woody and Buzz connection. That's what made me think of uh, Tom Hanks and Wilson, because it's Tom Hanks and the aforementioned Tim Allen, who we were talking about uh, ad nauseum uh, while talking about uh, Never Surrender, a Galaxy Quest documentary. Uh, I love the these two together. And that's another thing that I um, kind of made sure was part of the criteria for that's not true at all i tried to make it part of the criteria but then i had to break my own rule a few times which is this they start out as adversaries and then they become friends and that is usually in my own personal experience the best types of friends that i usually have are people it's easy for me to say because i hate everyone at first but uh some of my best friends that I've had in my life, like I really disliked and they disliked me and a few of them, especially like in grade school, like I get in fights, like physical fights, like fist fights with them before becoming friends. And then the bond is that much stronger. I think once you uh, overcome all that. So that's definitely the case with Woody and Buzz. They uh, were threatened by one another, or at least Woody was threatened by Buzz. And I don't need to go on and on. I think most of us are all familiar with uh, the Woody and Buzz dynamic. And uh, if you'd like to see any Woody and or Buzz uh, having times together, I find it all over there on the old uh, lesser known streaming app called Disney Plus up and comers oh, uh, Disney that up. Disney God there's just so many streaming apps these days it's hard to keep up you know you and I have a bit of a Woody Buzz relationship Anderson a little Woody Buzz nope. dynamic you were uh, the oh. established toy over at Loveline. Uh, everyone liked playing with you. And then uh, the new shiny toy shows up and you were threatened. It's not. It, it'd be like this. For those of you who are familiar with uh, Toy Story, it'd be like if... Uh Actually, I think the original script for Toy Story, uh, Woody was uh, adversarial. I, I, he was he was he was like a curmudgeon, right, and kind of like angry, right. and uh, so that that's yeah, he was Woody's, a wise Woody's very angry. Smartass. He's like all, constantly 
putting himself in places that Andy will trip over him and possibly get hurt, right? So that's that's the Woody that we all know. And then Buzz comes on the scene, and Buzz got a giant grin, and his thumb is high, and he's saying, "Hi, Andy. You're the best. You're the best human ever, Andy. I love you, Andy. Can can, can I make your bed for you, Andy? Can I make you some waffles, Andy?" Ah, ah, ah. And Andy's like, "Hey, Ooh. hey, toy. I didn't think you talked." And he's like, "Oh, I'll talk to you, Andy. Anything for you, Andy. You're the greatest." And, well, and first of all, angry, you, you, angry you, you Woody. Are, Tries you to trip are known, in. You, you are yes. known to many as Andy, so that works out. And also, I, uh, Buzz and I both have a shiny dome. Mm -hmm. Yes, you made that realization about 30 seconds as I was trying to uh, lay out what, it, what the equivalent would be. And I just hear, I hear Brian on the other end of the phone going, oh, oh. Oh, because he realized that the shiny dome. <laughs> I, I was writing it down furiously, oh. so I wouldn't oh. forget. Uh, you know what? Underneath, dome. underneath Buzz's uh, skull cap, though, is a, a lush, full uh, head of hair. You can't prove that. You have no idea if that's true. I have, a, I have an idea. He's most likely shaved. I have an idea. Uh, we should definitely... Oh, my God. If there, there had better be some listener art fe featuring uh, the uh, Woody, <laughs> the Woody uh, uh, Buzz dynamic with uh, Anderson and Brian. That's pretty great. That is not bad. Way to put that out there. And I also thought of this earlier in the week. We need to have some... Before this is all said and done, God knows, we might have you know another year of this. But uh, I feel like we should have some mask-themed uh, listener art as well. We need some more listener art. I'm starting to run thin. So listener art for... Uh, for you listeners who are uh, good over there in the Photoshop and you got some ideas, whether it's uh, Woody and Buzz related or uh, mask related, uh, we need we need some more listener art. We uh, we feature the listener art on our website as well as sometimes on the old social medias as well as Instagram, which we're terrible at, at plugging. The numbers are going up. We're coming established over on Instagram. Anderson and Brian is our Instagram account at Anderson and Brian, and uh, we just gave away five new. Uh, five five uh, links to groupers. If you uh, are still a holdout, you haven't seen that movie. Uh, five new listeners just got to see groupers, possibly for the second time. Uh, who knows? But uh, there's some perks least. perks over there. Thanks to Jordan Wolf for putting that all together. And all of the listener art is uh, not only featured over there on our Instagram. If you'd like to see some of the past listener art, but he does like uh, cool little animations with them as well, and they kind of they, they they come alive on the page. So uh, Anderson and Brian at Anderson and Brian for our Instagram. Go ahead, Brian. What's your number five? Number five for me is a movie, is a movie that despite being very, very popular, uh, does not come up on the show very often. However, I found a good opportunity to use the bromance. Oh, between, uh, speaking of uh, fighter pilots, Goose and Maverick, Anthony Edwards and Tom Cruise in Top Gun, mm. uh, directed by Tony Scott, of course, in 1986. They're flying partners, Anderson. I, I was like, are they co-pilots? I had to look it up. Technically, apparently, uh, Tom Cruise, uh, Maverick, is a naval aviator, and uh, Goose is a radar intercept officer. So uh, there you go. They had a, a shorthand, Anderson, on the air and on land. Uh, they're constantly joking. Uh, they had comedy routines, song routines, even mm -hmm. pickup routines. Mm -hmm. uh, they were in volleyball teammates. And uh, I don't know if you're going to allow me to um, reveal what happened to Goose, but it's neither here nor there because Meg Ryan's Meg Ryan is Goose's wife, right? A young Meg Ryan. She her first words to Maverick after Goose uh, suffers whatever he suffers. She says to him, "Quote." God, he loved flying with you, Maverick. That was the first thing she said to him, and it was uh, indicative of their uh, eh, loose love affair. Goose she said and that to everyone Goose knew, though. Uh, that's probably true, actually. God. Like to, 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 it's a bit of a, a, a non-sequitur because he only flew with Maverick. It's true. 
She could have said he you're here you're his least favorite person to fly with because that would have <laughs> also been true if he was the only one, right? Like, That's to, true. To to their their the family dog the morning after the uh, the the incident, she said he Max he loved to walk you. He really did. <laughs> no, nah, right. maybe she number, was right. Number four for me is a, a movie that I love. It's in my wheelhouse. It's uh, it needs to be enjoyed by more people, I think. And it uh, it stars one Matthew Lillard, who uh, we have decided. Uh, came into Loveland probably right around 2002 while Brian was there with thumbs in the air doing his best impersonation of uh, a shiny-headed uh, Buzz. And uh, Matthew Lillard was probably in there promoting Scoob. Shiny domed. Shiny domed. And I'm talking about Matthew Lillard as Steve-O and his good buddy Heroin Bob in yeah. SLC Punk, 1998's SLC Punk. It's all about a punk rocker uh, who uh, he's got the rooster uh, mohawk, uh, studded uh, leather jacket, very, very old school, hardcore punk rock look, heart of gold like so many punk rockers have. Uh, but he stand, he would stand out on Hollywood Boulevard to a degree. He definitely stands out in Utah, which is where this film takes place. Love that SLC punk. Uh, it's a, a, a cult favorite for sure. Uh, they tried to do a, a follow-up to it. I never even saw it. Apparently, it's just, it, it just mars and bastardizes the first one. Uh, an unofficial um, uh, uh, sequel to it is... Uh, Oh, no, I'm drawing a blank on the name, but I love it. Actually, Logan uh, uh, assigned it to me. Oh, I'm drawing it? a blank. Later in the episode, I'll, I'll, I'll bring that. I can't remember. It's, it's, it's about a punk rock kid who does some drugs and some bad things, and now he takes a fat kid under his wings. It's got fat, fatso in the title, maybe fat. I'll figure it out. Some fat kid wins against... Right. Anyways, uh, you can watch this uh, SLC Punk if you have not partaken yet on Crackle and or Pluto. Both of those are ad-based uh, I mean, uh, AVOD uh, platforms. So they, they got advertisement in them indiscriminately, but they did not uh, edit the uh, content or, nor do they uh, censor the content. So it's a full movie. It's just interrupted by ads here and there. I can tell you that Crackle was not my favorite experience in watching a movie with advertisement uh, and I've never tried Pluto. I'm sure you can rent this as well. But SLC Punk is fantastic. Good call. The one thing about this episode, it was a bit difficult to research. I just kind of think of a bunch. I guess there were some that were more obvious than others and some lists out there. But uh, I'm sure I'll think of some as we go on. SLC Punk is a great, uh, great choice. I guess I could have gone with Train Spotting at some point. But anyway, number four for me. Another Brian, real film. quick. Real quick. Up, Fat Kid Rules the World is the name of it. And... Uh, Unofficial, it's it's definitely got some themes. Matthew Lillard uh, directed that one, Fat Kid Rules the World. And it's thought by many, or at least me, as kind of an unofficial uh, sequel to SLC Punk, more so than the actual uh, sequel to SLC Punk. Fat Kid Rules the World. Go ahead. I think I've like fessed that. Fat Kid Rules the World. I don't, I don't remember much about it. Oh, directed by Matthew Lillard. I, I said that. Please get out, of my, get out of my brain. Please leave. I got very it, upset kinda, with you just now. It's pretty, it's pretty fucking dark in here. Mm-hmm. There's some stalactites. Are they stalagmites? I can never tell the what truth. What are you talking about? I can never th- I'm inside your brain. Oh, I see. <laughs> hey, Fat Kid Rules the World. Uh, not streaming anywhere. Not available anywhere. Fantastic. Out- outrageous. I read it, says, it, it says this on Just Watch. Fat Kid Rules the World not available on your favorite video service? Find something else you like. No, I want Fat Kid Rules the World dicks oops we couldn't find any streaming offers dicks it's it's probably on youtube all right go ahead go ahead 
Number four, another film that does not get brought up. I assume you've seen this, but a really, a really unique bromance because these uh, two uh, gentlemen of advanced age obviously need each other despite being uh, de facto enemies. I'm talking about Max Goldman, played by Walter Matthau, and John Gustafson, played by Jack Lemmon and Grumpy Old Men. Have you seen Grumpy Old Men, Anderson? <laughs> Uh, Yes, of course I have. Yes, 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 yes. Delightful little movie directed by Donald Petrie. Uh, When the movie begins, Anderson, it's a bit of rivalry, right? It's a bit of rivalry. The pair has been feuding uh, apparently since uh, John, uh, that's uh, Jack Lemmon, married Max's high school sweetheart, and they've been feuding for decades ever since. Uh, It's explained they were close childhood friends, and then it comes full circle when there's this great moment that honestly uh, got a little little dusty. When uh, John has a, a heart, John, John's walking home, right? Jack Lemon's walking home from the bar. He just had another fight with, uh, they're fighting the entire time. They had another mm. fight with uh, Walter Matthau. He uh, grabs his chest. He starts to have a heart attack. Walter Matthau happens to be walking by and, you know, they're feuding. The whole idea of the film is they're just sort of bitter enemies. And uh, Matthau just completely drops it all. He's like, oh my God, are you okay? I'm going to call an ambulance, blah, blah. And uh, when they're at the hospital, they ask, you know, what's your relationship to the, you know, blah, 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 to the person. And he's like, I'm his friend. And so it's a very sweet moment. Very sweet mm-hmm. moment. It's, 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 it's a bromance. These two need each other. They, 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 they can't extricate themselves from each other. A couple things on this. Uh, one, I love Grumpy Old Men, and I even enjoyed Grumpier Old Men, which is the sequel. Saw both of those, enjoyed both of them. Uh, more importantly, when you brought up Mathau and Lemon, I, was, I, I didn't recognize the, the characters' names, but I was very proud of you for a, a very brief moment because I thought you were going with the 1968 The Odd Couple, which kind of invented the bromance as we know it. Uh, there weren't a whole lot. Bromances, I, we also should mention, are kind of a newer thing, especially with the way that they write them. They're almost like a trope these days. But uh, back in the day... You know, bromances weren't really a thing. They were, they, you know, they'd have like uh, your buddy movies and buddy cop thing movies here and there. But bromances, the way we know them today, they're fairly uh, a new phenomenon, a new event. With uh, I almost want to say like you know the Will Ferrells of the world and some of like the I Love You Mans, and I, I uh, hope not to be stepping all over yourself. But the Odd Couple kind of created this. Uh, whole subgenre and i was proud of you for having it on your list it is not on my list because it has been way too long since i've seen it i saw it as a a youngster and i don't know it well enough and i know it probably belongs (laughs) deserves to be on my list but i couldn't put it on there in all honesty and i was very happy uh, for a brief moment there i thought it was on your list but no you're talking about somewhat of a remake in the odd couple which was came out years later which was grumpy old men you know, it's funny. You and I have a similar experience with, Grumpy, with uh, me, The Odd Couple, which is I was thinking about it, and I was like, oh, that'd be a good choice. But then I was like, I don't remember the ending that well. Like, my my recollection is they were just fighting the whole time. I don't remember the resolution, whereas with Grumpy Old Men, I remember very well. I don't... Did they... In, in The Odd Couple, did they, like, become friends or did, were they obviously they, they started know? off as very good friends and then they kind of drifted apart because they ended up rooming together and uh, if i recall walter matthau was a like a slob, slovenly and slob and and yeah uh, he was a sports and, and jack lemon was uh you know he, he was like a like an uh, a type a everything very neat and organized i i remember seeing it i'm i'm talking like 12 13 years old and i and i watched it with my mom one night and i haven't seen it since i remember enjoying it knowing at the time thinking like i shouldn't be enjoying this old 
old movie. I had a thing for Walter Matthau, which sounds weird, but I really liked that Walter Matthau as a kid. So my mom and I, every time a movie of his would come on TV, we'd watch it together, and this was one of them. But I should really watch this again one day uh, so that I can put it on list like like this list here today because I know it belongs on this list, and it's not on either one of our lists, unfortunately. Very that was also that, that was a very loose criteria of mine, which was they. It's I'll, I'll, I hope you don't have this on your list, but it's why I left off like Mississippi Grind. Like that, that was a movie I definitely considered putting on there, but they they kind of they're not they're not great friends. Like I don't feel like they love each other. Whereas I feel they, like Max and John from Grumpy Old Men really do love each other. Yeah, I needed love. I needed there to be love and, uh, and, and a real appreciation. And like, uh, they, they're almost like brothers by the end of the movie. That's, that's where, where it needs to be. I guess Mississippi Grind, there could be an argument made, but it was almost by necessity that those two were stuck together. Yeah, that's a buddy movie. That that's that's a buddy movie. That's that's an odd couple put together, like the formula All says, right. like you said. And uh, they they take a road trip and they go to the Mississippi River and they gamble and they form a a, a lifelong bond. I assume. I okay. never got the impression they were you know they they loved each other. Well, then if you're gonna give me shit with that criteria, it's probably it could be right here. Let's see how this goes. Number three for me is Sydney and Billy. Billy and white men can't jump. These two started out as adversaries with uh, Billy being uh, taken, swindled, hustled by Sydney. And then the, uh, the two girl, uh, the wiser, smarter, uh, above it, more evolved women uh, got together and decided that they should team up and uh, do some hustling of their own together as a team. I'm talking about Woody Harrelson, of course, and Wesley Snipes. White men can't jump. 1992, no. rental only. By the end of the movie, they did love each other. They did need each other. They did appreciate each other as brothers would. This is a uh, this is a great choice. I um, I had this on my list uh, for a while and it it fell off. It's an also ran, but this is a great great choice. This is a bromance. These two guys uh, find out. You know, this is this is the cl- the true cliche of the guys who seem to have nothing in common find out they actually have quite a quite a bit in common. Um, so uh, yeah, great choice. Thank you. I was I was prepared to uh, have to defend it, and I'm glad that I don't have to expend any energy defending it because, uh, yeah, it's a really funny movie too. It's one of those movies that pops up uh, every now and again, and uh, you just forget how funny that movie. It's almost a throwaway movie, and because you, you just think of like the. Uh, uh, the, the gimmick of it all with, you know, Wesley Snipes and Woody Harrelson, who at the time, uh, for those of you who are, t- are too young to remember when this came out, like it was one of Woody Harrelson's first uh, steps into the onto the big screen. Like he was still right. known as the, uh, the the bar back from Cheers. And it's like, this guy's going to try and, you know, go Hollywood. And it wasn't until Natural Born Killers that people actually took him seriously, I think. But uh, <laughs> everyone knew Wesley Snipes and he had the chops. <clears throat> no one knew that uh, Billy did. And really... The movie's as much their two movies as, as it is Rosie Perez. I mean, Rosie Perez kills it in this movie. She's fantastic. And there's the whole subplot with Jeopardy and her d- dream of being on Jeopardy. It's just a really, really good movie that I think because of the poster and because of the the gimmick behind it, black guy, white guy, it gets it gets lost a little bit. But it's a really, really good movie. 
It's a great movie. I love this movie. This is Ron Sheldon at his like as peak. This is peak Ron Sheldon for me. And uh, apparently the story goes, uh, Woody Harrelson was the one who was really good at basketball and had to sort of coach up Wesley Snipes. Like Wesley Snipes wasn't the natural. He's a good athlete, of course, but he wasn't the natural basketball player that Woody Harrelson was. Mm, no, that's the uh, that, that's the Ku Klux Klan's version of that <laughs> story. That's the version that I've always heard uh, from from my clan. Well, of course, from uh, your circle. Rel- yeah, my clansmen friends. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's from your uh, meetings. Uh, that comes up. It's strange. The, the, the first order of business at every clans meeting is uh, just to let you to further to get the word out there is that Woody Harrelson was actually the, yeah. the better ball player. To recap the minutes from last week. Uh, Woody. <laughs> That's their whole agenda. <laughs> All right, let's get out there. All right. Okay. <laughs> Woo. Oh, right. What's your number three there, Bri Bri? Number three is a fil- another one of my all-time favorites. Uh, actually, I shouldn't say another one because we just came off of Grumpy Old Men and Top Gun. This is one of my all-time favorites, uh, and uh, it's pretty... I don't know if it's an obvious choice, but we'll see if the listeners have it on their list. But Red and Andy, played by Morgan Freeman and Tim Robbins in The Shawshank Redemption. Uh, oh, I sent, you a, uh, I sent you a clip. You got that one ready, buddy? I can with a little bit of work. Yeah, go Just ahead and tiny get bit. that ready. I'll, All right, I'll, work I'll, is uh, done. It's done. Okay. Uh, directed by Frank Darabont. This is a bromance that develops over many decades. And, well, I shouldn't say many, probably two or three. Uh, and uh, it's a, um, this is a bromance. Some some of these bromances are like, like Goose and Maverick. They're obviously bros from the beginning. They love each other. They have a history. And some, uh, like this one between Red and Andy, they're like, no, we start off as enemies. You start off as uh, adversaries or at the very least kind of, you know, uh, cold and distant. And they warn to each other. Uh, Red doesn't even realize it until Andy's gone, but that this is his best friend. And uh, here's a clip of uh, this is a clip. It's a great clip. I love this quote. I think about it often. It's also I also think about how absurd this would sound coming out of almost any other actor's voice. But because Morgan Freeman is such a great orator, uh, this clip just makes beautiful, perfect sense. Here's uh, Red describing uh, his feelings after uh, Andy uh, Andy's gone. Sometimes it makes me sad, though. And being gone, I have to remind myself that some birds aren't meant to be caged. Their feathers are just too bright. And when they fly away, the part of you that knows it was a sin to lock them up does rejoice. But still, the place you live in is that much more drab and empty that they're gone. I guess I just miss my friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, the movie works as a whole, but when you watch like just a little clip like that, it's just so cliche. You just I'm, that the voiceover right there was uh, the visual was uh, red uh, doing some work out in the yard uh, on, on chain gain almost. And we hear his his words, and you're just sitting there going, "All right, now you got to look up and think about it, and then look to the left." Like you're just waiting for him to do it, and he does it, and it's just it's a caricature of itself. But as uh, as a, as a whole, the, the sums really work if you're in that world. But it is very schmaltzy at times. Yeah, uh, thinking schmaltzy. about this, I was thinking about this. 
is so this movie is a great movie that I do not believe it passes the Bechtel test. And well, it's uh, a prison movie, a male prison movie. But uh, outside of the woman at the grocery store who berates um, poor uh, Brooks, is there a speaking part uh, for a female in this movie? I mean, it's it's a movie about a male prison. It's 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 like asking this question about platoon, where it <laughs> takes place in a male platoon in Vietnam. Uh, oh, wait. Oh. Uh, maybe there there might be a Vietnamese hooker. Sex, sorry. Sex worker, yeah. sorry. Well, certainly, yeah. uh, uh, does does uh, Full Metal Jacket pass the, pass the Bechtel test? No, yeah, yeah. Bechtel test is uh, kind of horseshit. I mean, I'm glad it's out there and it makes you think. And But with certain movies, it shouldn't even come up with like, like male prison movies and possibly, uh, you know, uh, Vietnam movies that take place in Vietnam in a male platoon, where, you know, when they didn't have a whole bunch of females uh, serving at the time. So, all right. all right. Next week, top five movies that don't pass the Bechtel test. I'm not into that. And, and Bechtel test, I, I feel like it already had its 15 minutes, and uh, I don't know if it's it's really a big thing anymore. I feel like we we've been we've been through this. We're a pretty powerful podcast. We should bring it back. I'd prefer not to bring it back, Brian. Do you see where I'm going here? Do you see Do you see what I'm getting at? I don't want to give it any more credence than it already has. Coming up next, we will talk about the top two bromances on film after this. Anderson. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is a great coincidence because not only is uh, our old uh, wonderful advertiser feels back, uh, I have started using their product coincidentally, but wonderfully uh, to help me fall asleep. I've always had a hard time falling asleep, Anderson. That's 100% true. Uh, But it is a real problem when you have a three-year-old toddler in the house who gets up early in the morning and wants to play, play, play. And you're like, if you don't get to bed at a a, a certain time and have a good night's sleep, that is going to be a rough morning and a rough day the next day. Day, so I coincidentally started taking feels uh, again mm. a few week, I guess a week or so ago, mm-hmm. and now they're back. Now they're F-E-A- back. F e a l s feels. I thought you were going to tell me that you're uh, working on self awareness and that's giving you uh, pause in, in your sleep pattern because you're having a hard time falling asleep. No, it's much of who more. You are. No, it's much more. Uh, so I'm blaming the girl. Crisis. Okay. I'm blaming okay. the child on this one. Hey, I'm going to do something I don't normally do, but uh, I'm going to appeal uh, not to the listeners, but directly to the uh, Feels Corporation. Mm. If you're listening, mm-hmm. uh, Feels, uh, I love your product. My wife and I both use it uh, to great effect to help us uh, sleep and stay asleep and fall asleep. Uh, it's a wonderful product. Uh, please send some more. I could sure use some more because uh, I'm running low on the Feels. It's and, uh, CBD run, run, oil, and I running love the high way, on the on the child. <laughs> I love the taste of it too. Like you put it under your tongue for 30 seconds, and it gives me like this warm, toasty, like comforty feeling. Like I know that it's coming. I know that the good feels feels coming. You know what I mean? Indeed, yeah. The the the, the taste is very distinctive. Uh, become a member today, uh, all of you. I'm, I'm done talking to the Fields Corporation. I'm talking now to our listeners by going to fields.com, F-E-A-L-S.com slash T-F-V, and you get 50% off your first order with free shipping. That's F-E-A-L-S.com slash T-F-V to become a member and get 50% automatically taken off your first order with free shipping. Fields.com slash T-F-V. And speaking of feels, Brian, feeling good down there, feeling smooth down there, feeling clean down there, feeling germ-free, 
virus free. Ooh. Viral free is very important today, and uh, no one's going to help you with that better than Manscaped. You know, it's interesting. Christy, my wife, uh, my wife, uh, asked me the other day, what do you want for Father's Day? I'm like, I don't want, I want two hours alone. That'd be amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, Father's Day is now less than a month away. I did not, time flies, by the way. Yes. And uh, if you're uh, thinking about a Father's Day gift, you uh, could not do much better than Manscaped. Just make sure you sign it from you, because it'd be weird coming from your kid. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, make sure we get all that worked out. But people, I think um, people know what Manscaped is, right? Like, there's all sorts of different products and uh, in, in, in ways out there to like take care of your face. But Manscaped really focuses on below the belt and trimming up down there and keeping it neat and keeping it clean, high and tight. And uh, now, like I keep saying, like when we come out of this quarantine, some states are already doing it. Uh, and you're going to be, I, I know there's going to be some makeup banging going on, makeup hookups going on. Oh, yeah. Y- you want to be clean down there more than you ever have before. I mean, you you want to be, you want to be like bald Brian's head down there. I mean, for the most part, right? <laughs> I mean, the more yeah, hair. Down to, down to the stubble, buddy. People, I mean, yeah, short of putting a mask on your junk, uh, hairless is the best, the next best thing. Please don't send us pictures. Uh, get 20% off, you guys, and free shipping with the code TFV at manscaped.com. That's 20% off, free shipping at manscaped.com. Use that code TFV. Back to the program. Welcome back. Time to finish off this list of bromances with Anderson's number two. My number two. All right, number two for me now. We're uh, getting down to it. And uh, I tried. I tried. I tried to keep it off the list. And it just didn't feel honest. It didn't feel right to not have Cliff Booth and Rick Dalton on my list, Brian. Not only on my list, but number number two. two also. It's my number two. Uh, this is what makes this movie go once upon a time in Hollywood. And I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people who love it. And they say that they love it for the, all the, the explosion of violence at the end. And that was sure. That was a fun scene. That was Tarantino doing Tarantino at his greatest. But I think what Tarantino is really good at and really keys into and doesn't probably get enough credit for it is his, uh, his, his, the, the true love that he has for his characters. And when he has those characters love each other rather than kill each other, uh, you can really see it, even when it's complicated, like uh, w- the way that he wrote um, Dust Till Dawn. I mean, there was some bromance going on there, and it was very complicated bromance, right? And he did it in Pulp Fiction with some very complicated bromance, but never did he just let mm. two characters love each other like he did in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And they, at from no du- point from did Dust they, Till did Dawn they... was literally a bromance. And then at no point in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood did Cliff and or Rick have any problems with each other. It was nothing but uh, support and love, especially Cliff to, for Rick. And there was plenty of opportunity. And I'm sure that he flirted with the idea of having them, uh, you know, have some riffs. But really, they're, they're, the story arc of their, their friendship and their love affair uh, is peaking throughout the entire movie until it has to end there or does it towards the end. Uh, the arc is at the height of the love affair the entire time, right? We don't even see them meet. We, we, they're already together when it begins, and it just feels real. And uh, I think my wife was onto something when she said that guys seem to like Brad Pitt more than girls do, and I think that's probably true. And it's, it's weird because you know he's known as a sex symbol, and that's what he has to offer on one side, but he's also just so cool and something so relatable uh, to 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 people like 
like myself and to, to you. Agreed. So I thought there was more coming. Uh, this was the, uh, this there could have been, this was the one where I was, this was the movie I alluded to earlier where I was looking for a scene, couldn't find it. Turns out it was only on uh, stars over there. Uh, there's a the scene I was looking for. There's a there's even a breakup scene. Like these guys, these two dudes, these two like alpha males are so in love. Like that. Like at one point, like uh, uh, Rick has to let Cliff go, right? Like off the payroll, and he's like, and there's like actually like a breakup scene where he has to like break the news to him that he's like he can no longer be with him. And uh, as the narrator puts it, Kurt Russell, the narrator, uh, he says uh, they're buddies who are quote little more than a brother and a little less than a wife. And that's, uh, that's kind of a good way to sum up a good bromance, I think. Mm-hmm. Yes, this was uh, a bromance through and through. All right, well, I guess since that is uh, also your two, uh, go right into my number one, which, like I said at the top of the program, Brian, this, uh, this one uh, outpaces the, the rest by far and away. Even Rick and Cliff, as much as I love those two together, uh, there's no bromance, there's no... Uh, man-on-man love story that's not actually a romantic love story never has there been one put forth in in such a uh, an effective way as was the case as is the case with joe buck and ratso rizzo in midnight cowboy that movie uh is the 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 ultimate uh bromance in in love affair between two um two men who are it's platonic but they are madly in love with each other by the by the end and it's to the point where uh there are many tears shed by me every time i see that uh movie in its entirety and they start off where they don't really uh like each other uh, buck is kind of in ratso's way a little bit but then uh, they end up needing each other badly and then they end up not only needing each other they love each other by the by the time it's all said and done and it is fucking tragic and it's heartbreaking and when i first saw it and fell in love with this movie i didn't know that it was made by a man who it was a gay man who spent a lot of time in the closet and i think that a lot of that uh yeah Schlesinger. and i think a lot of that comes through in the in the uh the performances in the tone of the movie and i think it really is you know, it's just it's just short of them uh, having a physical relationship. It's it's just shy of that. And uh, you know, it came out in 1969. Uh, it won Best Picture, and it's the first and only and first and last movie to ever be rated X and uh, win Best Picture. That's what made them change the entire rating system because it was absurd that a movie could be rated X and uh, win best picture so they, they the mpaa changed. i don't even think it was the mpaa at the time but the ratings board had to you know reconfigure everything it was screened to the white house to this day it's still the only known movie to have screened uh, x-rated movie to to have screened at the white house i'm sure many x-rated movies were probably <laughs> shot at the white house <laughs> Maybe not but, officially uh, screened for guests right right but uh number one by far and away for me is midnight cowboy it's the ultimate uh male love that's platonic love story ever told for me. Very well done. You assigned this to me a few years ago and I finally got to uh, experience what you had experienced. Uh, number one for me is a very uh, impactful bro love story, bromance, uh, that maybe is a little more impactful for me than for everyone else. However, I don't think you can deny the, uh, the power and the love of the uh, relationship between Adam played by Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and Kyle, played by Seth Rogen, in 50-50, from 2011 
directed by Jonathan Levine. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kyle, of course, uh, Seth Rogen, his best friend Adam uh, gets diagnosed with a, with a spinal tumor. He is uh, literally there for Adam every step of the way. Uh, Adam tells him about his diagnosis. I think he's the first person he tells about the diagnosis uh, to surgery, to recovery, uh, the storytelling. So one of the great this is one of my favorite movies and obviously I have a personal connection personal. to it but this is but, but I can still personal. recognize this as a fantastic movie one of the great great and it's written by the guy who actually is the Adam character, the, the, the cancer survivor character. The storytelling brilliantly kind of cloaks Kyle, the Seth Rogen character, as this wisecracking slacker. He's constantly going back and forth with, uh, with uh, Adam's girlfriend, blah, blah, blah. When in fact, he's a dutiful, dedicated best friend. Uh, the, the, the scene, I won't give too much away because it's a, great, great, great emotional uh, uh, gut punch in a good way um, it, when uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt discovers uh, the book in the bathroom is, uh, is, is just fantastic. It made me tear up a little bit when I watched it today. I'm not ashamed to admit, uh, but the, the bromance between Adam and Kyle was um, beautiful and special and, and, and de- de- deceiving too because, like I said, they come, ac- they come across as just kind of bickering friends, almost in a Jerry Seinfeld and George Costanza kind of way. And uh, at the end of the movie, you realize, oh, no, these, these, are, these are lifelong you know, friends. Mm-hmm. You like that movie quite a bit. Yeah, I love I, it. It's I, one of my favorites. And, and I recognize okay. that I have more of a, you know, more susceptible to, to falling for its, uh, it, its, its wiles. But I can also stand back and say, no, that's a really well done movie. I can't fault you uh, for that because I, too, um, have a personal connection with Midnight Cowboy after, uh, you know, my years working the, uh, the sex trade uh, with the old uh, businessmen in there in New York. I, I spent a number of years doing that, so I really yeah. connect with Joe Buck. So you get it. You get it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, Brian. I like this movie. I like 50-50, uh, but part of it just, just did not work for me, and part of it just felt schmaltzy, and uh, when you go back and watch The Wackness, you're like, oh, yeah, it's just that kind of tone. That's that kind of director. Uh, have you seen anything the director has made since? I have to, I'd have to look it up. I don't know. Uh, I, I will cut you off there and say of the I don't know what the I haven't seen it in a few years but it is not a schmaltzy movie uh, the, 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 it is not go for the heartstrings no it has it has little moments of, of astounding truth you know what the scene that really stood out to me that rubbed me the wrong way was when they got stoned and they got high and it was supposed to be so cute and lighthearted and fun and it just bugged me it bugged me a lot it bothered me Brian yeah I can't they were going uh, for the the, they were trying to warm the cockles, and uh, my cockles were very turned off by that. Yeah, it didn't bother me, but wh- I don't think that of that is the strongest scene. But when I think of the movie, ten or eleven scenes come to mind that are super, super strong. All right, you ready for the listener list? And uh, speaking of strong, many, many uh, submissions this week, and uh, Jordan Wolf uh, decided to just throw in all the uh, all the ties. So this list is lengthy. You ready? Oh my. Yes, please. This will work. This will work as uh, also rans for for us as well. Just about uh, Walt, Donnie, and the dude from the Big Lebowski at number five, and then here we go with a four way tie at four is Sean and Ed from Sean and the Dead. That's a solid, solid list. Uh, Tucker and Dale from Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Solid, solid uh, pick right there. Andy and Red from the Shawshank. And then tied, uh, final tie at uh, four is Sam and Frodo from Loader, Lord of the Rings. 
Number three for the listeners, Seth and Evan from Superbad. People like that movie. Number three, uh, also tied number three for the listeners, Butch and Sundance from Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Just missed my list. Very, very strong uh, submission there. Number three, uh, also tied at number three for the listeners, is Jay and Silent Bob from, this is important, Clerks. From Clerks. From Clarks. I would have gone with Dante and Randall over Jay and Silent Bob. Jay and Silent Bob I kind totally of, agree. Jay yes. and Silent Bob, I love them together. They're a great team, but uh, I don't really feel a whole lot of love between them. But I do love those characters. But they're just, you know, two one-dimensional characters standing against a wall with one of them barking out hilarious uh, one-liners. Like a seal. Like a circus seal, Brian. <laughs> Number two, uh, Rick and Cliff from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. With 6% of the overall vote. Number uh, tied for two is Owen Wilson and Vince Vaughn from Wedding Crasher. Crashers. Oh, sorry. Uh, number I'm one. At, oh, God, yeah. Number one for the listeners. This is the final one. No ties here. It's number one. And it's uh, Riggs and Murtau from Lethal Weapon. I did not that, see that coming. I would go with Riggs and Murtau from Lethal Weapon 2, I guess, but like, I don't. Uh, the it takes a while for them to get uh, a mutual respect in the first one, but yeah. Uh, by the third one, though, I didn't see the fourth one, but by the much third much like one, your, they, uh, much like your Woody and Buzz is sort of a franchise, you know what I mean? Franchise defining. Yeah, the buddy cops, it's buddy cops. But yeah, the listeners have it number one. I'm not going to take that away from them. I, I think that uh, it's worthy. I think it's worthy. Uh, it did not make my buddy uh, list as well. I'm looking at my buddy list right now, but it was on the also rans for that. For that, I'm, I'm looking. You know what, buddy, buddy film, buddy, buddy films. You know, uh, you and I, you and I both have the same number one. Really? Forty-eight hours. No shit. That's our number uh, one. Not no wow. shit. Shit, Brian. No. Shit. Shit. Yeah. Both of us. Look I'm at looking that. at Jonathan. That upsets Le- me greatly. I'm looking at Jonathan Levine's uh, filmography. Uh, director of 5050 and since 5050 it's been a lot of uh, a lot of movies that I say are good but maybe disappointing the ones that I've seen I'm talking about warm bodies I'm talking about the night before oh that should have been so good and uh, long shot which we both think found a little underwhelming oh I forgot that he did long shot that's right okay it's a it, they all have the same feel to them they all feel I should assign you the whackness since you love 50-50 so much. All right. Um, let's get to the gambling. Let's get to the gambling this week. Um, do you have any other also-rans to, uh, to mention? Do I? Do I? Oh, do I? Do I? Do I? I got so many notes. Let me check. Oh, yeah, yeah. Here we go. Uh, peanut, butter, peanut butter Falcon. Uh, some definitely, they, they definitely had a mutual respect and love for one another by the, by the end of that uh, Peter peanut butter falcon uh rocket man just came out last year as well and they, uh, it's definitely a love affair uh between the two real life characters right yeah agreed yeah. the uh, uh what's his name Elton john and bernie Taupin. bad boys um you know what are you gonna do bad boys bill and ted kind of in the same vein you know they're just they they're almost like uh twins at this point like i don't I don't even know their lineage, how they became, like the origin of Bill and Ted. How did they become friends? I don't even know. And then Step Brothers, uh, which is a movie that definitely has grown on me over the last five, five years. Love me some Step Brothers, and that is definitely a bromance. They got the ups, the downs. I mean, they have a platonic, I mean, they, they have a, like a, a, a romance, like a, a romantic relationship just without the physical 
they actually might have consummated the relationship for all I know. They I really, really cared for one another. I don't think of that as a bromance as much as I think of it as a step bromance. What, Brian? Uh, yes, Bill and Ted, I'm with you as an also uh, ran. Also, uh, uh, Han and Chewie, Chewbacca uh, and Han Solo. Uh, that's a pretty bad, good. Bad. Very close, close, close mm-hmm. to making my list. Um, yeah. yeah, lots and lots here, but. Uh, <laughs> Mississippi right. Grind, like I mentioned. I almost got clever and went with Hell or High Water. Not the mm. brothers, of course, but uh, the Tommy the Lee Jones Thomas. and his like partner. Uh, yes. uh, no, no, Tommy uh, uh, Bridges. Jeff Bridges and his, his partner. They, they had a bit of a romance going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, of course, the one that actually made me think of the topic. I, I, I texted you a, a week ago and said, hey, what about bromances? The one that made me think about it didn't even make my list. It was the aforementioned... Bill Nye and uh, his manager in Love Actually. That is a uh, sneaky bromance. Mm-hmm. Oh, and the one at the top of the show that I was so upset at forgetting that honestly might have made the list was um, uh, John Lennon and Stuart Sutcliffe in Backbeat. No, I'm glad that you did not write that down in your amidst your falling asleep because just absolutely no. Why? They're 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 very clearly in love. Mm-hmm. All right, let's get to gambling. Uh, what are we going to gamble on this week? Think about that for a second. Uh, last week, we gambled on Drive, the movie Drive, which, Brian, I was at a Drive location just this morning with the boy doing a project that I'm chipping away at. It's a little bit tough during the pandemic because a lot of the things that I want to do that I can't do aren't able to be done by me because of the pandemic. But uh, I'm working on a project with the boy. The boy and I are working on He doesn't know that we're working on the project, but we are. And uh, part of it involves me being at a location that Drive was shot at just this morning, which is pretty cool. So anyways, Drive, which uh, I had forgotten. We did commentary for Drive years ago. And that's oh, part yeah. of uh, the perks. So part of the perks that you get if you're a uh, Patreon listener. Anyone can vote on our, our weekly poll that we come up with. I just uh, post it through Patreon. So you might have to like sign up with your email and come up with a password. You don't have to give any money to do the voting, though. But uh uh, if you do want to become a Patreon member, it makes it that much easier once you're over there. You can see everything that we give to the Patreon listeners. Thank God for the Patreon listeners, especially right now. And I think that you know a lot of people are holding on because we are cheap entertainment for these tough times when people are stuck at home. And uh, not only do, can you listen to us uh, you know, kill an hour and a half, two hours some weeks, but uh, also we give you a lot of, uh, I think, uh, good uh, referrals uh, and things you can, uh, and other ways to kill time, which is movies that you can watch and where you can watch them. So I guess it's good bang for your buck. And I really appreciate everyone who's still on with us as Patreon members. I so, think the Drive commentary well predated uh, 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 Patreon. Yeah, it might have been just when we were doing commentaries every now and again and making them. Uh, oh yeah, that was like twenty twelve or something. I don't know. We'll have to look that up. Yeah, we've only been doing Patreon mm-hmm. for a couple of years. All right. So uh, last week we said, "Have you seen Drive? Have you not seen Drive?" I predicted seventy eight percent of our listeners or thereabouts have seen Drive. Brian with a very low fifty five percent. So almost immediately, I knew that I had won because Drive is a film vault type of movie. I'm surprised that it is as low as it is. The actual numbers are 83% of our listeners or thereabouts have seen, has seen drive with about 70, a little less than 70% have not seen drive. And uh, let me get the actual numbers. What was the, what were the, yeah, you are way off. So I get to, uh, Hey kitty, if you unplug anything, I got a very aggressive cat of mine who's on my uh, lap. Let me see. 
what were the actual numbers. We had some pretty good numbers. And it was I only put this poll up for like 48 hours too. 273 said yes, 55 said nope. And that was um that was only available to vote on for a very short period of time. Like 36 hours, if that, I think, a day and a half. Anyways. So look for this week's, which is going to be what, Brian? What are we gonna what are we gonna uh, what are we gonna do here? Let's look we at could the, uh, do uh, the Alpha Mission fifty fifty. How many? Would be funny if we nah, guessed fifty. Nah, nah. Uh, we nah. could uh, we could. Would be funny. What about uh, Grumpy Old Men? How many? What, what percentage of audience is in Grumpy Old Men? No, that doesn't really excite me in the least. Uh, how about uh, Galaxy Quest? Mm, now you're talking. Maybe a little Galaxy Quest. Yeah, Galaxy Quest, Once Upon a Time. Hmm. Once Upon a Time to be very high. Yeah. Came out last so year. Best Picture nominee. Mm-hmm. What was your number three, Brian, for my own notes? Uh, number three was uh, Shawshank, Andy and oh, Red. Yeah, Shawshank. Okay, thank you. All right, um, let's, let's do uh, Galaxy Quest. Have you seen Galaxy Quest? will be our gambling flick this week. Yeah, all right. And we're doing it this way just to remind uh, those of you, some, for those of you who might be new to the program or for those of you who might have dipped out the last few weeks during this pandemic when Hollywood is holding back all of their sexy good uh, picks that we're actually excited to see, uh, we're foregoing the, uh, the, the Rotten Tomatoes uh, gambling segment, which, you know what, I'm fine with abandoning that forever and coming up with a new one because I No, we love, yeah, people love the gambling. People love the gambling. So. Yeah, but we can continue to gamble. It's not on uh, uh, giving Rotten Tomatoes any more cred. F them. F them. All right. Galaxy Quest. Um, Galaxy Quest. Hmm. All right. What are you uh, on three? We uh, we do it? All right. Oh, wait. Hold on. I don't have a number. All right. I got a number. Uh, all right. So on three, we give our numbers. All right. Ready? All right. One, two, 75. 78. Ooh. Oh, why'd you steal my number from last week, you dick? Did you say 78 last week? Mm-hmm. 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 I don't like this. I don't Wait, like what, the year. You, uh, you went with 75? Yeah. Uh, Are these the years we were born? No. Okay. 78. All right. <clears throat> current score. We don't have a current score, Cowan. We don't have one. I, I'm sorry. I'm yelling at myself in my own notes that I'm looking at. Um, let's get out of here. Let's do the uh, the credits. I'd like to uh, point out for for those of you who might be looking for even more movie talk. Uh, some friends of mine are doing a very loose podcast uh, about movies, and these guys see a lot of movies. I'm talking like eight, nine movies uh, a week. The way I used to see movies um, back when I was you know, trying to catch up and see uh, everything that I felt like I had missed out on. It's called Movie Mainline. It's with my boy Eric Holmes, Bruce Perky. Uh, Greg Serzovasti is also involved, as well as uh, Luis uh, Lacau, who is a, a frequent contributor to our uh, uh, listener art. So if you'd like to hear some guys loosely talk about uh, movies that they've seen recently, they go deep, too, Brian. They're, they talk, they talk about uh, movies that are pretty deep in the catalog. That sounds great. What's it called again? Movie Mainline. Nice. As though you're mainlining movies. I gotcha. And this can be accessed wherever finer podcasts are sold? Uh, that's true, yes. Excellent. 
Uh, thank you guys for listening. Thanks to Chris O'Brien for the listener art. Uh, it inspired uh, me to remember one that I had forgotten from my list today. Uh, I'm really more of the cute one, the Paul McCartney, so really should have got him backwards, but I'll take the uh, the brains behind the operation, John Lennon, any day. Thanks, Chris. Check it out, AndersonandBrian.com. Very artists. subtle listener art that week, this week. Very mm-hmm. subtle. Feature artist Parker. Oh, but I should point out that it's taken from Let It Be, the original documentary. Yes, Parker I understand Bur- the motivation behind it, but oh, really? it is very you, subtle. You have to look at it for a minute. Have you seen Let It Be? Yes, twice. Wait, did it? I sign you a movie yet? No, you did not. I won. I got to sign you some shit, well, bro. Sign me something. Look through your list. All right. Keep going. Uh, but we could watch The Odd Couple together. Uh, feature artist Parker Projection in Mechanical Hall A. Uh, thank you for clicking through the Amazon banner. It means a lot to us, and it costs you guys absolutely nothing. I mean, aside from what you're already paying for whatever you're buying. Andersonandbrian.com is where you find that Amazon banner. Facebook, Twitter, The Film Vault. Hey, look at that. The Instagram is on there. Anderson and Brian. Anderson and Brian. Thank you, Giovanni, for your help. Jordan Wolf, Mitch Burns, for your help. Mike Cole, uh, for your help, as always. Uh, invaluable, that might call it. Invaluable. Thank you so much uh, for all of your help, you guys. Anderson, what am I seeing this week? Uh, there's one very good reason why I shouldn't assign this to you. However, that's not as good of a reason as, as the reasons that are many that we should both see the odd couple. The very good reason not to assign that to you is because that was your idea just now. However, however uh, I just lost Brian. The phone just erased. I, I'm telling Brian. Uh, I'll call him. Oh, there he is. Lost you right there in the middle of the end of the call, end of the show. Keep it going, keep it going. We're still recording. I'm I'm assigning you the Odd Couple. Guess where you can watch it. Take a wild guess where you can watch the Odd Couple. 1968's The Odd Couple. Where can you watch it? Well, my first thought was maybe on Criterion Channel, but you're going to tell me Stars. I'm going to tell you Stars, buddy. Stars Uh, is crushing it. Well, why does the Stars start giving us money? I think we're the only people in the world that are like singing the praises of Stars, and we're not we're not even going another way to do it. They're coming to us with all of their great. All of our picks just happen to be stars movies. What are the we chances? Should, we should send them an air check of this. this is science. Cut, 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 cut up some uh, a montage of us praising stars over the last five months. I would have never guessed stars. It's it'd be like one of the last. I'm gonna send them this too because that's how I, that's how I roll. It'd be probably one of the last movie channels that I would actually say, yeah, well, uh, give me throw in some stars too. Oh, it's, it's a couple bucks. I don't know, two bucks. That might be too much. Stars, but it's like every movie that I, uh, I pick. All right. Don't sign right. that. <laughs> Thanks, you guys, for listening. Stars with a Z. With a Z. With Thank a Z. You. Thank you, guys, for listening. We appreciate the uh, the downloads. And until next time. We do it. Favango. Favango.